What's up, gamers? Welcome to Battle Mallet Podcast, episode 18, Blood, Bugs, and Ever Chosen. The Battle Mallet Podcast is a podcast delving into the minds of four busy gamers, their annual journey to the Nova Open Convention, playing games that they love, and balancing life with those games. I'm Jared Johnson, and I'm here, and it's just me and my buddy Trace Hyde. We're a two-man band. I called lead guitarist. You would. I would. You're right. You would do that. Um, so Danny is back from all of his travels, but uh, still kind of getting his life together uh, with, you know, buying a house and being married and all that stuff. And then uh, our buddy Jason is probably sleeping off his work trip to Jamaica. So yep. uh, it's just going to be me and Trace tonight. Uh, and we've got uh, just a few things to get through, that, you know, recent events and, and recent content that's been released that we want to talk about. So uh, both Trace an and I... abbreviated episode. Yeah, it might be, you know, we might... It, well, it'll make up for the last episode. So yes. you know, it'll all balance out, right? <laughs> yeah. Um. So we recently went to uh, an Underworlds tournament at the Game Theory in Raleigh, which is one of the local stores that we play at. Um, so Trace and I will talk about that. And then um, on the 40K side, The Blood of Ball has been released. Uh, chapter Approved was released. So this is recording. We're recording on December 9th. So Blood of Ball and Chapter Approved were just released this past weekend. Uh, and the Age of Sigmar, Slaves to Darkness new uh battle tome and endless spells and models went up for pre-order this past weekend so we've got all that to cover uh but before we get into that what's everybody been up to uh trace you and me yes um well you know um like you said we've been we played a tournament a couple weeks ago um I actually have played a session of Dungeons and Dragons. <gasps> what? That's not Games um, Workshop. I know. I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, no, it's really fun. A, a really good friend of mine from from where I grew up uh, invited me to a game, and I said, yeah, I should be able to do that. And I said, how often are we going to be playing? And he was like, well, right now it's like once a month. I was like, I can do once a month probably, but need to... You know, make sure that the timing and everything is correct. Yeah. But it's been fun. Um, so we won't talk a lot about that because not everybody likes D&D, and that's cool. Um, but I've been playing, just playing around, piddling around just different projects and stuff, painting up some demons, painting up my Ripa Snarl Fangs, which are coming along nicely. Yeah, they look really good. Uh, the um, pictures you shared in the group chat, the war paint that you've got on them looks great. So I can't thanks. wait for you to get them finished and kind of share them out yep. uh, so everybody can see. I sure will. I'll do that, but I'm not going to share any like work in progress pics with everybody just yet. Um, planning on going to that tournament on the 21st that Brandon's hosting. So trying to get them done for that. And that's down at, it's at uh, that computer store in Columbia, right? That's correct, yeah. Mm-hmm. Columbia, South Carolina. Not yep. like Columbia, South America. 
that would be no. a heck of a trip. And I would be afraid that I would get abducted. Yeah, um, fair. <laughs> so, so yeah, just been working on those. Um, and then I'm working on a little secret project that I will not disclose at this time. Um, yep. And then also trying to come up with a recipe for some ogre skin that I really want to get them on the table. Cause I know we challenge each other to try and get some stuff done. Um, you have 15 days. I do. No. Is that right? Yes. That is right. Yeah. 15 days until Christmas. Yes. 16 days. Yes. You got this. You've seen me paint fast stuff before. I was going to say, if you can figure out the skin formula, <laughs> I feel like you might be done with how many miles do you have to paint? Uh, I have six over gluttons, two lead belchers, and a lord and a scrap launcher to do. Okay. So it won't. So like, it's t- not... ten, 10 total models. Yes. But... Okay. Yeah, but I mean, the details and the and all that on them is. Yeah. Especially that tyrant. It's pretty cool. He is chock-a-block full of detail. Yeah, he is. Um, so, so, yeah. So, what about you? What have you been doing? So, I got all of my Mortec guard painted uh-huh. from the Feast yeah. of Bones. Um, and I'm really pleased with the formula that I came up with them. Um, yep. It's just a really simple use of contrast for, I don't I mean, I'm going to call it like 90% of the model. Um just using the black Templar for the black bone and using the siliconum gray for like the ivory bone, mm-hmm. like the, the mm-hmm. pale gray bone, um, blood angels red for the red shields. And then um, I'm, I'm, I could probably have done a cleaner job. The, the blades are, are black with uh, purple edge highlights. And okay. so they're probably not as clean as, as they could be, but you know, because I'm not slopping paint on like I used to, you know, 20 years ago when I first started painting models, it's, I mean, the, the highlights are thin. So if I want to go back and just repaint the blades black and redo the edge highlights, you know, in purple, I like the purple. I like the way that it looks. They're just really chunky highlights. Um, so, um, but that's it. And then, you know, some gold, but that's, and then green for the cloth. So the black blades, the gold, kind of inset piece on the shields and then the green cloth for their tabards. Uh, that's it. That's the only thing that's, I guess the quote classic end quote method. Everything else has been contrast and, um, and you coming up really with a nice color complement on there too, because your red complements your green, your right. nice like green and then your yellow is a nice complement to your orange or your blue, your purple. So yep. working that color wheel, bud. I'm trying. Um, and you know, I, I'm trying to do this thing where I come up with a simple formula that gets results that I'm happy with quickly. Um, right. Just given my limited amount of hobby time Good. as of late, um, I would rather get things finished than not. And, uh, you know, painting up the, uh, the blades of corn for our age of Sigmar yep. doubles in the, for the, for Nova kind of really helped me figure out, you know, quick techniques and mm-hmm. how to how to quickly do effective, you know, edge highlighting without feeling like I needed to blend, you know, three different paints into can nine come back different and layers. Later. And that's the other thing is that uh, with the way that I did the the 
contrast, I think that there is room for me to pull edges up later if I want. But what is nice is the easy formula is going to translate super quickly, I think, into the three um, necropolis stalkers that I have mm-hmm. to paint, and then yep. the two Morgast, and then Bachmortian. And what I need to figure out is whether I want to paint Bachmortian as Petrofex Elite, which is what the rest of them are going to be, or if I want to take the time and go back and paint him as the uh, Praetorus, which is what his kind of sub-faction is. But okay. either way I do it, I think I'll be able to do it quickly. It's it's just going to be finding the time in the next 16 days to get that knocked out. So hopefully they'll be done before Christmas. But um, So I got those painted, and then I put a little bit of paint on the Wild Hunt, um, just experimented with contrast and with some colors that I don't normally paint. Um, so like an olive green and, you know, some more reds and browns, just colors that I don't normally paint. Um, you were kind of hard on them, dude, but I thought they looked good. Like just well, for a, you yeah. know, they're a contrast paint job, but <laughs> yeah. you know. I think the problem is that I know what I'm capable of. Of course. When yes. I really spend the time on it. And so I look at this and I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's totally, I mean, it, it's probably tabletop plus realistically um but you know i know that if i really put my mind to it i could do better so it's it's hard to call it you know like a good job but i guess calling it hard garbage was uh, probably a little a little much um yeah it was a little rough (laughs) (laughs) but um and then the other thing that i've been doing is uh i picked up flight of the eisenstein uh when i was in sweden so at the at the stockholm Warhammer store, uh, you know, it's hard to go into a shop and not buy something. So I bought, you know, a couple of little things and I saw a flight of the Eisenstein sitting there on the shelf. Um, it is not in Swedish. So all of their, that's good. Um, all of their content is, is, is printed in English. So I picked it up while I was there and, have, you know, finally gotten around to starting reading it. And, uh, it's been interesting to read something pre heresy that it, dives into a character that I know is integral to one of the factions that I currently play now that you love. Yep. Um, so I don't, nothing that as far as I have seen, there has been no heresy yet. So, um, <laughs> they, they have gotten to Istvan and, okay. and that's where I, I am. So, um, I'm excited to see, cause I like intellectually, I know, like just because I've heard bits of the lore, like I just mm-hmm. I know what's going to happen, but it's been interesting to kind of get, I don't know, I guess you could call it like a first first person view of the events as yep. opposed to reading about it online or hearing it in conversation or whatever. Well, and Aaron Dembski Bowden does such a good job <clears throat> just like creating compelling characters. So, right, like just following Garrow. And knowing what all he's going through is just a really cool, really cool concept. Um, So point of order, Flight of the Eisenstein is not actually an ADB book. So the author is James Swallow. Oh, I thought it was a Dimsky Bowden. But I think ADB picks up some of the other Garrow books. I thought it was him that read that one first. No, I'm, I could be completely wrong. Yeah. I guess I am. Yeah, I and that's okay. 
I mean, it's it's not like there are like three Horace Heresy authors. I think it's an easy mistake to make. Because um, uh, if you had asked me before, I like had it in front of my face and was reading it. I'd have been like, oh yeah, that's ADB, right? Um, but it's still good. Like characterizations are still really good. Um, it's it's interesting to hear people describe Mortarion. Oh yeah, before the yeah. change, like. Because my experience with Mortarion in in reading has been um, in the the Plague Wars books. So, mm-hmm. yep, uh, the two Demon novels. Mortarion. Yeah. Yes, yeah, Demon Prince Mortarion. Very so, different. Yeah, so it's been interesting to hear that to see. Um, so there, I don't know that the the first captain's name is Typhon. I don't know if that's any related to Typhus. I know that it's related to Typhus. <laughs> But to see these, you know, icons of 40k lore in their pre-heresy kind of personas has been interesting. So, um, yeah. So far, on, he's he's a real jerk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, he stays a jerk, but yep. he's definitely still a jerk in in the pre-heresy. Yeah. So, but it's um. That's that's a really good one. Um, I think is the one after that one. I can't remember. Is it full? Is it Fulgrim after that? I one? think Fulgrim is after that one. Yes. Um, that's a really interesting read too. So oh, I'm sure I, I would recommend reading it after you read. Flight of the yeah. Okay, I'll have to look it up. It's so. a harder read because it's a little slower to begin. Right, but it when it ramps up, <laughs> yeah, it's it's good. Um, anyway, so that's awesome. What else? Um, I think that's it as far as uh, kind of any real hobby progress in the games that we played at, at um at Game Theory, which we'll get into in the next section. But um, I think other than that, I think that's it. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So, um, so you got to figure out a skin technique. Yep. That that sounds really bad. Well, you got fi- to figure out a paint scheme for the skin on your ogres. <laughs> that sounds better. Um, and I got to finish skin technique better. Yeah. I mean, I think our <laughs> listeners will too. Um, and I got to paint those more tech cards. So, sixteen days. We'll report back. Keep an eye on the on the Twitters and the Instagrams and the Facebooks. Hopefully there'll be some pictures up soon of us having finished painting models. Um, yes. And then the only other thing that I want to shout out uh, before we get into the rest of the uh, episode here is that uh, December 12th, so that's Thursday. This Thursday. This Thursday at 6 p.m., uh, myself and Trace and Jason are all going to be at Atomic Empire in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, I'll be there probably a little before 6, uh, but the plan is to be there from 6 to 11 to kind of have an open Underworlds play. So if you are in the Triangle area and you want to check out Warhammer Underworlds, uh, come find us at Atomic Empire on Thursday. Uh, if you play regularly and you just want to get some games in, come out. You know, if you've got a deck that you're testing, if you're headed to a tournament sometime coming up and you want to test a deck out, uh, come out. 
I'll have all my models on my cards so I can, you know, and I'll have a couple of decks on hand that I can put together, if, you know, if you want an intro game or if you want, you know, to play against something that's going to be more competitive or, or what have you. And I know uh, yep. Jason and Trace will be ready to do the same. So um, Jason's got a bunch of painted war bands to yeah, play Yeah, he does. Yeah, so you not only would will you be getting, uh, you know, an intro game or, or you know, uh, a fun game in, but you might get to play with some really well-painted models uh, if you don't have any of your own. So uh, that's December 12th. So Thursday, December 12th at Atomic Empire in Durham uh, from 6, and then they close at 11 on Thursdays, right? That's correct. Yeah, so we'll be there probably till close or until everybody leaves, whichever happens first. And they have beer, if you're They do have beer. That's right, yeah, coming up on the holidays, kind of... Oh, and we're going to have some, uh, I think, some 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 knickknacks. Giveaways. Some holiday knickknacks. So some door prizes and participation awards and... Yeah, all sorts of fun stuff. So uh, we hope to see you guys there. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll 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 take a break here, and then when we come back, we'll talk about the Underworld tournament. And welcome back. So Jared, you and I attended a fun little skirmish tournament at our local game shop that we play at quite frequently, Game Theory, here in Raleigh, North Carolina. And there was, what, six people? We had six players. I think five different warbands is what I remember. Um, We had a Thundrix player, two two Grimwatch players. You were playing uh, Skaith Wild Hunt. I played Ripa's Snarl Things, which were a ton of fun. And we had, what was the other one? Uh, Banshees. We had yeah, Banshees Lady too. Harrow's Mournflight. Yep. Lady Harrow's Mournflight. Um, so I guess I, why don't you just walk us through your games and kind of how things went for you? Yeah, so I had the esteemed pleasure of playing both of the Grimwatch players. Um, I, I played one. <laughs> yeah, so, well, so first off, before we get into this, I just want to say thanks to Brandon for running the event and for to, thanks to Game Theory for supplying, you know, the prize support. So they... Um, yep. They get the uh, organized play kits and are, are <clears throat> very generous with the contents. Um, so this was kind of a, I think Brandon pulled some of the content from the Q4 kit yep. for Night Vault and then some of the content from the Q1 kit for Beast Grave. Beast Grave. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was cool. So I think he gave out the charge and... He gave out the uh, alternate art. Oh, the uh, alternate art cards. The alternate art cards from the previous set, and then also the alternate art Amberbone Hammer. The Amberbone Hammer, and then the wound tokens from the Night Vault. Yep, the yep. Q4 kit. Yep. Yeah. So, um, so just thanks again to Brandon for running the event and putting it together, and you know, letting everybody show up and have a good time. Um, so, speaking of Brandon, my first opponent was Brandon. Uh, he was playing Grimwatch. Um, and I was running Skase Wild Hunt, and it's just a testament to the, um, I think, number one, to Brandon as a player, and number two, to the potency of the kinds of decks that you can build with Grimwatch, because I took the Duke out in the third activation of activation phase one. Uh, So did a a cheeky... um, Althan 
bow shot into pit trap and snare onto a lethal hex for nice. total damage. Yeah, it was super cheeky. That's uh, it is not what you expect any to happen when you're when you move the Duke forward just a little bit so that he's in a great position for activation phase two. Um, but it just so happened that it worked out in my favor. Um, but even with all of that, um, the final score of the game was 12-11 in my favor. So oh, he wow. was still able to deny me a lot of glory and still score 11 glory. Um, even without the Duke. So without the ability to beat down, um, without the ability to, um, you know, bring the ghouls back. Um, so that's crazy. uh, Yeah. Yeah. It was bananas. Um, so, so that was fun. Um, so I won that one. And then, um, the, my second game was against the other Grimwatch player, Ike. Um, and so for anybody that remembers the last, uh, tournament that we played in at Game Theory was for Glass, and uh, I took me down in round one. It was his Thundrix Profiteers into my Yothari's, um, and he beat me by one or two points, I think. Um, so I would say that I got my revenge, but there's a running joke. Um, it's like Ike's dice just turn off whenever he plays against me. Um, and you are Jason at this point, actually. Yeah, and I and I just take all of those successes, and I don't. There's some additive property there that just turns all of my successes into crits. So uh, it just when we rolled off to see who got to choose boards, you know, just that very first die roll of the game, I had two crits and a single support, and <laughs> Ike's reaction was like, "Oh, so Here this we is go. how this is gonna go." Um. <clears throat> But he's always a great opponent. You know, he's very gracious and, and you know, is, is just a ton of fun to play against. Um, so I took that one fairly handily. Um, I don't remember the exact score. Um, and so it was at this point that uh, I was 2-0 and um, friend of the show, Steven Cavanis was 2-0 as well. Um, and so we met at the top table and he was running a Tomes Thundrix Profiteers deck. Um, and the kind of uh, glaring flaw in the wild hunt of their middling damage just it, it reared its reared ugly its head. Ugly head, yep. Yeah. And so um, between, you know, being able to plink two to three damage at a time and three failed attacks on a tomed up Thundric, uh in the final activation phase meant that uh, despite my lead going into the scoring, Steven was able to cap out. Um, I think he ended up scoring eight glory in the final uh, end phase. So he had six tomes and he scored two other glory from something else. So going into the final round, I think it was maybe like... 14, 12, 12, like 13, 12 in my favor. And I scored two more glory um, to take me to 15. And then he dropped eight glory down to get up to 20. So um, as a time like, does. Yeah, I was like, well, I guess I can't do anything about that. Um, but, it, you know, it was fun. And, it, you know, it just 
goes to show that I've got some work to do if I'm going to play the Wild Hunt or I need to find something else to play. Um, but it was fun. I had a good time. Um, and, I, you know, kudos to Steven. Um, he's been working on that Profiteers deck for a long time, and uh, I think he's pretty happy with what he's settled on. So, Yeah, he should be. Um, I can tell you that because I played him as well. How'd that go? Um, about as you expect for Ripa to go into Thundrix. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it wasn't bad. I had a really, like, Steven was my first opponent. Um, and I had some really good draws, but just two crucial whiffs. Um, and he did the same thing to me where, you know, he's getting his glory up, getting his glory up, and then right at the end of the game, he drops, like, 10 glory or something like that. Just yeah. all at the same time. Um, but, yeah, it was it was a good game. He was my first opponent. Jared kind of already spoke to his deck and kind of what how it works, and so I won't get back into that again. But I like playing Steven. He's a good opponent. He's a really good player. Um, you know, and... He's always a really fun person to play with, too. Like, he's just real lighthearted, which is always good. Um, but, so that was my first game. My second game, I played Brandon. Um, and I had some really crucial combos go off in that game. And nice. so it was, it was good because I... Playing Ripa's is a different kind of deck for me because, like, it's like playing Molog but with less utility. <laughs> um, so I'm used to playing like the one fighter, the one wonder fighter warbands, but with Ripa, you have to be really, really patient, and that's something that I'm like learning, um, just slow and steady. But um, so Brandon. I did not kill the Duke on turn one, like Jared did. <laughs> um, but I did manage to get Ripa kind of centrally placed and baited a couple attacks and use some of the nice cards that are in the Snarl Fangs to get some free activations and stuff like that, which was nice. Um, killed Gristlewell with a reaction. Um, there was a little bit of... Uh, discussion about whether or not I could use Furious Reprisal and him still get the the push and therefore pit trap off. Um, I finally just, even though I knew it was wrong, <laughs> I conceded it and I was just like, let's just play, man. I'm not going to argue with you. Let's just keep going. Um, ended up winning the game by like, I think I was like 23 to 12 Something like that. Because killing killing fighters is what uh, Rippa's does, and there's a lot of fighters in, yeah. in Grimwatch. So, well, two, two health, one dodge. That's, uh, that's yep. an ideal target for Rippa's snarl things. Yep. Absolutely, especially when you can get some extra activations going. So that was my second game. And then my third game um, played against a new guy in the, on the scene. His name's Adam. And he was playing his Lady Harrow's Mournflight, which is a hard matchup for Ripa as well. 
Um, I had really terrible draws that game. Um, and so I got an early glory and got up just a little bit. But after that, my draws just went really, really bad and I just could not recover. Um, had a, had a crucial whiff that I needed to go off. Um, even with extra dice and a reroll, like it, it still just didn't connect, and that was unfortunate. But um, Adam played really well; like he played KG and kind of picked me off one fighter at a time, and I ended up losing that game, like something like twelve to eight or something like that. It wasn't a giant difference, but yeah, but it was a good game. Like, and Adam played really well and I I'm looking forward to playing with him more cuz he seems like he's a real cerebral kind of player and um but yeah so th- that was kind of my experience um always looking forward to more opportunities to to try out new things with underworlds and so um like Jared said like we just appreciate the opportunity to play at game theory and the uh, the ability to get some fun swag along the way um, yeah, no, it was good. I think Adam went on to he ended up bumping above me to get second place. Yep. Um because of glory differential too, which is really yep. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he played really well. Um yeah. I was I was impressed. <clears throat> um and so since then, like, you know, I'm working on my Ripa's deck, I'm working on painting them and just really trying to figure them out because I like the I like the aesthetic of them. And I just like the warband. I think it's a cool warband. So yeah, just kind of, kind of keep going with them for a little while and see what happens. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, um, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know. I like the hunt. I like the models. Um, I think the problem that I'm running into is the same problem that I was running into with the Yotharis after the magic nerf. Is that three health fighters and nobody getting three damage? Um, without just dumping a ton of upgrades and as yeah, it's is hard. a tough place to be. And I, I, and I know that there is success to be had there. I just have not figured out how to do that yet. So I don't know if I'm going to stick with the hunt or switch to something else. Um, <clears throat> I'll be, uh, you know, I, I haven't, I don't think I've played the despoilers at all. Um, Played a couple of games with Grimwatch, so I don't know. Maybe I'll do a couple of rounds with the Despoilers and see if I can figure something out there, and then, you know, just kind of try to play around until I find something that fits and is fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm looking forward to see what you do with the with the Despoilers. I think that they might be kind of a sweet spot for you between the Grimwatch and some of the things that you can do with Scathe too. So. Yep. Um. Looking forward to it. Um, so that'll wrap us up for this section. Um, hopefully we'll get some more content out about the meetup that we're going to do on Thursday. If you are able to come, we would love to see you. Um, and until then, take a break. See you in a minute. And we're back. And we're going to talk about Warhammer 40K. So not something that we've spent a lot of time on lately. Uh, but there's been a lot of content that's been coming out around it. And 
I know that I am personally excited by some of the points changes from Chapter Approved and some of the oh, content that yes. came out from the Blood of Ball Psychic Awakening Book 3. Um, so there was some Tyranid content in there. So uh, so that's pretty exciting. And um, I know there was some good stuff that came out for those heretics uh, from Chapter Approved. So uh, why don't we start there? Trace, Chapter Approved, impressions, thoughts, Comments, concerns. Home stuff got cheaper. I like it. Nice. <laughs> I mean, that's in a nutshell kind yeah. of what happened. Um, you were talking about the your thousand point list that you ran in the campaign is now yeah, what? I I didn't calculate the points, but it it's much cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> um. So some of the key key units that got decreases were like chaos space marines they went down to 11 points a model which is crazy good that is dirt cheap um still not as cheap as the cultists which went back down to four points well that's probably good <laughs> but they they needed to um yeah i mean they don't the, have orders they don't have yeah yeah they don't get to use they don't get to use the legion traits anymore yeah. any of that stuff so it's only fair that they go back down to the to the cheapest chips four points that they were originally um yep. But, you know, really excited about that. Really, I was really surprised, honestly, that the Lord Discordant didn't go up in points. It stayed the same. Um, and then a lot of stuff just got cheaper. Abaddon got cheaper. Um, just Obliterators got cheaper. They went down. They dropped like 20 points or something like that per model. Yeah. Which is really good because they're... Like a really good firebase unit for you. Yep. They can be aggressive because they can deep strike and do all this other fun stuff. But well, and if you were taking three of them, that's sixty points you've now saved. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then <clears throat> some of the, you know, the some of the rules and stuff that were in uh, Faith and Fury actually kind of supplemented a lot of the legions too. So those have been fun to read. Um. The demon weapons are awesome. Yeah. Um, and then I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Obviously, like just stuff getting cheaper for chaos is great. Um, yeah. That's really the nuts and bolts of it for me. What about you? Yeah. So we'll we'll start with Tyranid. So not a, not a ton of point drops on the Tyranid side. Um, I run typically High Fleet Jormungandr, which means I've got you know, Trigons and Trigon Primes and the massive Scything Talons, the triple set or whatever that you purchased for them went down like 10 points each or something. Oh, wow. Um, and they got a points drop. Those models both got a points drop in Chapter Approved 2018 as well. So those guys are all cheaper. Um, one thing that I am excited about is Tyranid Warriors are now two points cheaper apiece. Oh, wow. Um, which is pretty good. Um, and then there were, I think, some other points drops on some things that um, either aren't as relevant or I don't own them or or, or whatever. Not a, not a ton of points changes on the Tyranid side. But <clears throat> so the Blood of Ball, Psychic Awakening Book 3, uh, had some content for the Tyranid. Um, one of the cool things is that you have these um, adaptive mutations. So for anybody that's not familiar, um, if you're... Warlord is a Tyranid character. Uh, instead of taking a Warlord trait, you can upgrade one unit. 
And so there are different adaptations, whether depending on whether you're an infantry model or uh, a monster model. And so some of those things are like, uh, like there's like a camouflage one. So you count, um, you get the, a double bonus for being in cover. So plus two to your armor save instead of plus one. Oh, wow. That's really um, good. Well, and that would pair really nicely with Jormungandr, yeah, which you're always in cover. always being in cover. And so yeah. imagine putting that on Tyranid Warriors. Well, now you have Tyranid Warriors, uh, T4, three wound, two up save. Nice. Um, that are all two points cheaper now. Um, so that's cool. Um, Too bad we play with the Crimson Fist player who ignores cover. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> and then so there were some other ones in there. Where I think you could get an infantry model. Um, oh, this may be a stratagem. I think it's a stratagem, actually, um, where you ignore AP negative one and AP negative two. So you can play it once per game uh, when you're targeted by a shooting attack, and you get to ignore AP one, ne- AP one and two. That's been a theme here recently, too. Yeah, that's been a kind of a almost a universal stratagem, but it's just been given to a bunch of people, right? Um, which is good. I think it's a it has useful utility in the game, so. Well, it kind of helps decrease, like situationally decrease that um, um, spike damage. Yeah, the uh, just the lethality of the game. So no, actually, so I was wrong, and it's enhanced resistance, and it is uh, one of those adaptive physiologies. Oh, nice! So that's really um, good. <clears throat> excuse me. So you can't stack these, but it, you know it, these are just you know, different options that are available. Um, on the monster side, um, you can give a monster a five-up inbound. Mm-hmm. And in addition to getting the five-up inbound, you double the number of wounds when you're looking at the, it's like damage chart. So the damage table. So your monsters that don't typically have an inbound save, so you're like Trigons, Trigon Primes, your Carnifexes, um, now they can get a five-up inbound and double their wounds when looking at the damage table, which means that they fight at the higher stats for longer. Um, so that's cool. Um, you can give a monster synapse. So you could have a Carnifex that's got synapse and it, and it doesn't just gain synapse, but it also gains shadow in the warp. So if you've got oh, like cool. a frontline, you know, beat stick Carnifex that you're shoving down your opponent's throat, you can, you're, you know, that's another shadow in the warp node for it. Um, I think my favorite for the monsters, though, is Murderous Size. Okay. So before the battle, select one melee weapon that this model is equipped with. Until the end of the battle, add one to the strength and damage characteristics of that weapon. Improve the armor penetration characteristics of that weapon by one. So you're looking at the massive scything talons on a Trigon or a Trigon Prime being strength eight, uh, minus four AP, damage D6 plus one. That's crazy good. Yeah, so, um, you know, it you know it's not quite you know we're not talking like doctrines and sub doctrines like the Space Marines got, but I think it's you know, for lack of a better term, giving some teeth back to the Tyranid and giving you that flexibility that Tyranids players have been playing with for a long time. Of course, yeah. Um, and then you know, there's some other things in the book that are kind of cool. So if you don't like the high fleets that exist, um. They give you like custom high fleet adaptations. So there's a you know a handful where and you can pick two. Um, so I think some of the ones that uh, that stood out. 
So there's one where uh, a model with this adaptation regains one lost wound at the start of your turn. So, you know, let's say you're running a bunch of monsters and Tyranid Warriors, you know, you're just getting free wounds back uh, every turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was another one that was... Uh, so Prey Sight, if a monster unit with this adaptation makes a charge move, is charged, or performs a heroic intervention, then until the end of the turn, when resolving an attack made with a melee weapon by a model in that unit, add one to the hit roll. So oh. just going back to the Trigons and the Trigon Primes, they hit on threes normally, and because they have multiple pairs of Scything Talons, they get to reroll ones. Well, now you're, you know, seven attacks that hit on twos, reroll ones. So basically all seven of those potentially strength eight AP yeah, that's... full D6 plus one damage. So like, I mean, I am kind of a fan of the existing high fleets as they are. Like the Jormungandr mm-hmm. one is great because, you know, your units that are stuck in the ground that you have to deploy count as being in cover without having to do the prepared defenses right. stratagem. Yep. And then they have the pre-deployment stratagem where you can put any unit in a tunnel and have it come up with the trigons. Like that's great. And then the you know the super popular kraken, right? Roll three dice and yep. take the highest on your advance rolls. And the ability the to rolls. fall back and charge is yep. like crazy good. Um, but you know if you wanted to try something different or kind of make up something, I feel like there's some stuff in there that you could maybe build a list around um, that's going to be a little different. And then. You know, so there were some new psychic powers for each of the high fleets, um, which were pretty cool. Um, just adding some more flavor and some more fluff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then new stratagems, too. And I think the one that really popped out for me was there's a stratagem for Tyranid Warriors. So, uh, where did it go? Come on. Uh, unyielding Chitin. So use this stratagem in your charge phase or your opponent's shooting phase when a Tyranid Prime or Tyranid Warriors unit from your army is chosen as the target for an attack made with a ranged weapon. Until the end of that phase, when resolving an attack made with a ranged weapon against that unit, reduce the damage characteristic of that weapon by one to a minimum of one for that attack. So, so you have an Ironstone. <laughs> yeah, so all of the... Um, you know, it's one, one CP. So all of the damage to weapons that you're throwing into Tyranid Warriors to try to take them down in two shots, well, now it takes three. Or your damage nice. three weapons. And I think that's the real kicker, right? So you want to hit a three-wound model with a damage three weapon. Well, now it takes two damage three shots to, to take, take out one Tyranid Warrior, which yeah. is, I mean, that's pretty critical. So I think there's some stuff in there. So you know, with chapter proof reducing the price of tuned warriors and then all of these different adaptations that are available. I think there there could be some fun kind of I mean it's fluffy that they're adapting. Um so that's cool. But yeah. Um so the big news for me, um I'm a longtime Grey Knights player and they have floundered in the uh, current edition uh, they did really well when their codex came out because they and Death Guard were the only ones with codexes and, and thus the only ones with stratagems. And so that was fun for like three weeks. Um, but then Primaris came out and I just don't think that Games Workshop knows quite 
how to handle the Grey Knights. Like, I think that they tried to do them like they've always done them, but they, you know, being their standalone codex, so they lost all of the kind of support elements that the Demon Hunters codex gave them, where you could take an Inquisitor Lord and that unlocked Inquisitorial Stormtroopers as troops' choices, so you could build this mixed force that was still, you know, within a single codex and you know, was still like a fluffy unified force. Mm-hmm. Um, when they removed all of those models and threw them into the Imperial agents, you know, sub codexes or white dwarf supplements or whatever, you know, it kind of pulled some teeth out of the list. And then the gray Knights just didn't work as well as a standalone army. And so um, they have made some pretty drastic points reductions. So, I was looking at my the thousand points that I brought to our doubles list, mm-hmm. and it dropped by over 130 points. So oh, wow! More it's a whole than other a unit of strike squad. Yeah, well, it's more than a whole other unit of strike squad because the amount of points that strike squads dropped by. Um. So just um. Yeah. So you know they brought. Nemesis Grandmaster Nemesis Dread Knights down again. Um, strike squads are down by five points base, but they made all of the force weapons cost a point, so it's really a four point drop. And then it's only a three point drop, I'm assuming, if you're using Nemesis Force Falchions, because you buy two of them um, before the, all of those weapons were zero points. So, um, so that's cool. It's cool to see them kind of mitigate the, like you're not paying for the force weapon when you buy the special weapon, even though you don't gotcha. get the force weapon anymore. Um, and then Terminators went down a significant margin. So I think they're down, they went down by seven, which is really a net six drop because of the um, cost of the force weapons. Mm-hmm. Um those terminators just, across the board too. Like that yeah, wasn't yeah. just Grey Knight Terminators, which was right. nice. I think Grey Knight Terminators saw the biggest drop, but I yeah, think probably. other Terminators still saw a drop. I mean, so you said Chaos Space Marines went what from thirteen to eleven? Yes. Yeah. So you know, the base cost for a strike squad went from strike marine went from nineteen to fourteen. But then you still have to pay for the Storm Bolter and the Force Weapon. So, yep. you know, you're looking at seventeen points per you know, strike Marine, which is, you know, I mean, that's, I feel like that's a little better. Like, if, I, so I'm, I'm really excited to see kind of what I can put together there, but I'm going to wait to do that because of the teaser that we got from the 40 K open day. So anybody yep. that hasn't seen it, psychic awakening book four is called ritual of the damned. There's a video and they kind of did the rotating faction symbol like they've done in the past, and it's the thousand thun, thousand suns, and the, the thousand thuns, thousand thuns, <laughs> the dark angels, and the gray knights. So I don't think we're going to see gray knight primaris, but I'm hopeful that we'll see, you know, something akin to the doctrines or some revamp to the psychic brotherhood or some additional rules for gray knights to kind of give them that oomph back, like. Personally, on a wish list, it would nice. It, it would be nice to see them move away from the baby smite at 12 inches 
more towards what the thousand sons have. So, uh, you know, uh, like a real baby smite. So, uh, one mortal wound, unless you roll, uh, uh, an 11 or a 12 or a 10 or 11 or 12, whatever the rule is. And then you get D3. Yeah. So yeah. So to get D3 mortals. And then it really irks me that specifically a gray knight librarian. So chapter full of psychers. A librarian is supposed to be the like psychic might of a chapter. Still only does one mortal wound on a smite. Like it would be nice to see at least the librarians just get a normal smite. So like a D3 mortals or a D6 mortals on a 11 plus. But, yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, really that should go for all of the characters. I mean, a, a gray knight, even a brother captain is, you know, as potent He's, a psyker as, a basic space marine librarian, you know, knows one, yeah. ca- cast one, denies one. So I think the the hardest thing that Grey Knights suffer with, right, is that they all have they all have these psychic abilities, right? Right. So like you can the the difference between Grey Knights and like Thousand Suns is Thousand Suns like when the sorcerer dies in a unit of thousand suns marines they can't cast spells anymore right um so like they're subject you know subject to getting sniped out and all this other stuff so there's there's a little bit of balancing mechanics there i think the problem with gray knights is that they like you said they just don't know how to balance them because you can't treat them like a normal marine because they're not right and but there's also like if you bring them too cheap they overtake the meta because they're because they can become so powerful with all yeah. the different psychic buffs and stuff. So it's it's hard. It's a hard yeah. it's a hard army to balance and like I oh, you know, yeah. as frustrating as it is, like I don't know how you get it right unless you just bring back the Demon Hunters Codex kind of yeah. format. Well, there's some other thoughts out there. So I've seen uh, you know, bring back bespoke powers. So put psychic powers on their data sheets instead of having them choose them from a psychic discipline. So all strike squads get access to X, all Terminator squads yeah. get access to Y. Um, I think something that would be a big help is, um, so the you know one of the big differences between the Grey Knights and the Thousand Suns, so both armies that are chock, chock-a-block full of psychers, right? You're running tons of sorcerers and you've got yep. your rubric squads with the aspiring sorcerers in the rubric squads in thousand suns is they have what three disciplines to choose from. They do. Mm-hmm. Yep. And gray knights have one. Well, so the, so, I mean, even just opening up the librarius discipline for gray knights for the characters, you know, let well, the squads use the sanctic discipline and then let the characters use sanctic and librarius. Or, I mean, what we'll probably see is a, another discipline come out for the gray knights and that may make a huge difference. So to kind of, kind of circle back around on the different disciplines that the thousand suns can use so the the aspiring sorcerers can only pick from the thousand suns lore like they can't use the other ones okay um so they are required to take a spell from the thousand suns specific lore the demon princes can take demonology take the demons focused the 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 zinch demons spells or 
they have the full array of spells. Okay, available. so they get the Thousand Suns, the Heretic Astartes, and the Zinc Correct. Okay. And then the Sorcerers get only Heretic, Heretic Astartes and only... Thousand Suns. Thousand Suns. Okay. Unless they're on a disc, which they gain the Demon Keyword, and then they In can In which case, they get the Zinch Correct. spells. So, okay. like, you have to kind of do some qualifications to get some of the other ones. So it's kind right. of... <clears throat> but yes, like, I agree. I agree with what you said, like... Give them something that is exclusively on their data sheet, since the whole unit is psychers and not just yep. one model. Yeah. Um, I would love to see like the old warp point come back. So they are uh, the are they the incursors or the inners? We talking about the new the, the new vanguard new Phobos, that have, the new yeah Phobos, the ones that have the twelve incursors. inch the ones with the twelve inch bubble yep. of no deep strike. No, that's the infiltrators. The infiltrators. So yeah. back in the day, fifth edition Grey Knights Codex, they had a a power called Warp Quake. So the Strike Marines, you could put them down, and then if you this was back when Deep Strokes scattered. Yep. If you landed within a twelve inch radius of um <clears throat> of the Strike Squad, it was an automatic uh, mishap. Scatter. Yeah, mishap. Yeah. Yeah, which meant that the unit could there was potential for the unit to just be deleted, mm-hmm. um, and then, you know I wouldn't want anything like that. that. That's a little too much. But even just that twelve inch buffer, right? You cannot land within twelve inches of this unit. Mm-hmm. Even something like that would help because then it it forces, you know, either you know boxcar charges or, you know, it gives you know an opportunity for you to weather the storm and then you get to charge on your own terms. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I think what you'll see in that new book is you probably will get doctrines because they gave doctrines to blood angels. They'll end up giving doctrines to dark angels and also space wolves. I guarantee it. Um, so it only makes sense that they get doctrines too, which just the doctrines alone are going to immensely, immensely help Grey Knights. Oh yeah, that like, tactical doctrine pushing all of the Stormbolters to AP one. Correct. Like I, I think that that's kind of a missing piece that you guys that doesn't rely on psychic powers, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, so, that's like, another thing that would be sweet. Would just be just increase the points for Grey Knight Stormbolters by one across the board, and just let us have Cybolt ammo. Yeah, I mean pushing to AP two though on a bajillion and a half shots would be <laughs> well yeah so i don't need doctrines if you just give me cyborg ammo yeah but i think then i'm strength uh, five and then that's a whole other that's a whole other can of worms so i'm shooting strength five storm bolters for my terminators at so they all get four shots at 24 inches all the time yeah yeah although mm. i guess you could do it like the they do it with death watch right you either get bolter discipline or you get the special issue ammo yeah, I mean, having to choose... I mean, Death Watch are a, are a good kind of... Uh, they're kind of an analogous chapter to look at, right? So yeah. they have a lot of cool, very niche special rules. Um, like, a whole, a whole unit of them can take Storm Shields and Storm Bolters. Like, what kind of crap is that? Right. But, but like, yes, this, the Specialist Ammunition, being able to elect what you want to use I think is a great way that you could kind of augment what you're saying, like having the cyborg yeah. ammunition or using the doctrine special rule. Yeah. 
but yeah, um, I am really excited because you know I've always I've always loved Thousand Suns, so I'm excited to see what they do with them. I've got yeah. a bunch of Zongor that I have from my Beastman army, like, and a bunch of beasts. Like, it'd be easy for me to just pick up that book and be like, "Oh, Thousand Suns, here you go." Yeah. Um. So it's, I'm excited to see what that one has in store too, and I know Jason is too. Even though he's sold off most of his Dark Angels, he's got he's still got some Raven Wings sitting around. So I'm interested to see what they do with the Dark Angels too. Yeah. So. To breathe some life into the kind of the sub factions of the Dark Angels. Yeah, yeah. something to bring the Raven Wing and the Death Wing back. That'd be sweet. Yeah, absolutely. And then, um, you know, just to kind of look on the horizon and kind of touch on the other half of the blood of the blood of Ball book, which is the Blood Angels, right? There, they they got completely pulled up to speed from. Yes. Which is amazing, and it's something that they've needed for a long time. Yeah. Um, because so they have doctrines. They have doctrines now, and then they um, have a super doctrine. They do, which is really good. Yeah, they <laughs> um, get an additional attack in the assault phase. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then they updated the. They changed. It's not the red thirst anymore. I can't remember what they call it now, but they all have a bespoke rule where not only do they get a plus one to wound. Mm-hmm. And the turn that they charge are charged or perform a heroic intervention, but they also get an additional attack. Yeah, so that's that's the that's their like that's their that's super their, tactic. That's their super trait. Does that? Yeah, one. yeah. So like, um, and it happens in the assault in the assault doctrine. No, so, so that no, but it there's more. It's not just their super. It's not just the super doctrine. They have a new rule. The red thirst changed. It's not just plus one to wound. In the assault phase, it's no, also it's, plus one attack in the assault phase. Oh, is it? I didn't. I didn't get that. Yeah. Um, Let me. I'll. I'll look it up and just confirm. But. But they always get plus one to wound if they charge, are charged, or heroically intervene. Like yes. that's that's their plus one to wound. That's been their one that they've had since the beginning, which makes, you know, Thunderhammer Smash Captains terrifying. Oh which no, is no, no. Why... Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Did yeah. You find so. I did find it. So the Red Thirst, the, right, so the Savage Echoes is their super doctrine. That's what yes. okay. But they did get a, 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 an additional ability in the Red Thirst. Mm-hmm. And it's not as good as plus one to attack, but it's pretty good. When a unit with this ability advances or makes a charge move, add one to the advance or charge roll. Oh, that's, I mean, getting more reliable charges when you want to be in melee is is kind of in a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> And it's then there's deal. some other stuff in there to. I think there's some additional um, stratagems and stuff that are going to let you get, um, you know, rerolls on your charges or. Oh, and then the kicker, I guess, is going to be right. So they their chaplains now have access to all of the litanies. So they're you're looking at a potential. Well, they have a special litany table, don't they? Yeah, but then they have the, the the bespoke ones too, or the original ones too. So yeah. you're looking at potential like plus three to your charge roll. So, yep. If you can drop, if you can manage to scoot a chaplain forward and then drop near the chaplain, you're looking just, at a six well, inch rerollable charge out of a deep well, strike. But now you can. Now they made the sanguinary priest with a jump pack a thing, like for real. Oh yeah. So you just got to put. That sanguinary priest tucked in behind your death company, and then you are good to go. Like, right. no problemo. 
Um, because he's protected, he moves as fast as you as your death company do. Um, and they still have, I think, a stratagem that allows them to like go up the table on the first turn, like prior to the first turn or yeah. something like that. I can't remember what it is, but um, they got death company intercessors, which is really cool. Yeah, um, it's a new way so to do many, it. So many attacks. Yeah, because um, I think. The- the regular death company are still probably better because um, they end up getting like six attacks or something like that a piece and they're and they can all take thunder hammers <laughs> as opposed to maybe just the cap maybe just the champion or the the sergeant taking a thunder hammer yeah that's true because um, they can all take chain swords and stuff too so they can yeah. take two chain swords each so um but anyway, I'm I'm just excited for that. And then obviously the new Mephiston model is just That's gorgeous. Yes. Like they literally took the old art piece and turned it into a model, which is amazing. Yeah. Um like they I don't know if you've seen the alternate pose, but there's actually the one where he's like wiping his mouth too. Yes. So yep. there's like the one with the pistol. And then yep. there's another one where he's like wiping his mouth just like the piece of artwork, which is yes. awesome. Yeah, it's so good. And of course, he's got like the new Primaris stat line. So, yeah. uh, you and know, six wounds, five attacks. Yeah, he's essentially a demon prince. Is <laughs> yeah, like that's he's, what I've always compared him to. Like yeah. he's he's a demon prince. He's not uh, as 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 crazy as he used to be in seventh edition. He's only strength and toughness five now instead of strength and toughness six, but still. Yeah, but he's he's good. Um, and then I think that's really all we've got for the, uh, the latest and greatest for 40 K, right? Yeah, no, I think so. So, um, so that covers blood and bugs. So, uh, we'll take a break here and when we come back, we'll talk about some ever chosen. Ever chosen. Jared. Do you feel the call of chaos? Yes. Well, that's good because there is a brand new battle tome going to be on your doorstep next week. Um, your doorstep. It will be on my doorstep. It Fingers crossed it'll be on Jason's doorstep. We hope so. Um, I think Jason and I have very different approaches to this army, which is good. Um, yes, but the new Slaves to Darkness Battle Tome is coming out. If any of you that listen to the show follow regularly Age of Sigmar stuff, I'm sure you'll know about a lot of the stuff that we may kind of touch on. I'm not going to go in super depth with it because there's many other resources that you can do that with. Um, but the cool thing about this book, and Jared, I'll get your impressions first before I kind of dive into what i like about it sure um but tell me what intrigued you the most about this new battle tome so with the pre-order for the battle tome you're getting the endless spells which look cool we don't know anything about those but they look awesome um the like skull that's like breathing fire and blowing up the ground like that's Mm -hmm. awesome um but we're also getting double sized kits for the warkai warbands and so I was really curious about those, and they kind of gave some more information in one of the Warhammer community preview articles 
um, within the battle tome, there are specific sub factions, and there is one that is essentially, you know, a band of, you know, chaos lords or aspiring lords, you know, who are bringing their various tribes together to create an army. Um, talking about the Ravagers. Talking about the Ravagers. Yep. Um, and one of the command abilities for the Ravagers is you can summon in uh, marauders, marauder horsemen, or cultists. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, well, what's a cultist? Well, let me tell you what a cultist is. <laughs> I'm glad you asked. <laughs> so all of the Warcry Warbands have the cultist Age, Age of Sigmar battle war scrolls and Mm -hmm. on their war scrolls is the cultist keyword so with this command ability you can summon in 10 chaos marauders five marauder horsemen or 10 a unit of 10 cultists so you can bring in a unit of 10 you know uh, iron golems or a unit of 10 cypher lords or Or whatever of 10 um tame beasts if you're jason yes or like all the units of 10 untamed beasts. Um, and which is super cool. Um, Cause you can bring them on from the table edge. So mm-hmm. any table edge uh, within wholly within six inches of the table edge and more than nine inches away from enemy, uh, models. enemy models. So your classic outflank, um, which when is you learned how powerful cool. that was when it, at Nova. Yes. Yeah. So, so bringing up beastmen in somebody's backfield um walking through the age of sigmar gt and looking at these conga line ridiculous deployments knowing because they knew that like somebody could outflank or they could summon so like bringing a being able to put in models where you want them is is uh is is pretty critical um but one of the things that they talked about on the live stream uh, on twitch was how they've kind of simplified the war scrolls for the war bands in Age of Sigmar. So from what I gather, they're not going to be as complicated as as they currently are with the like, you have to take one of this and one of that and one of that. Basically what they're going to say is that it's a unit and it's, um, you know, they're going to give like different weapon profiles, but the models themselves, other than probably the, you know, like the ogre for the iron golems. Like, obviously, he's going to have kind of a different stat line, but you're not going to end up with this war scroll that is comprised of, you know, four or five different profiles, um, which is going to help kind of help those models be played, which mm-hmm. is going to add this really cool kind of visual theme to these Ravagers based armies so i'm excited to see kind of how that really plays itself out really excited for jason and how that plays out yeah and it's it's actually so i'm actually pulling up one of the war scrolls now just give me one second we'll kind of walk through one of them um speaking of jason we'll talk about the untamed beasts so currently the way that the untamed beasts work there's just there's a ton of different like models within it so now it's been simplified, like Jared said, to where they have a missile weapon and then hunting weapons. So their missile their missile weapon is just one attack, and I think you can have one. Uh, 
Yep. So you can have one in every nine models in this unit, but it can be a first fang, which has a jagged harpoon attack. It's eight inches. It's one attack, fours to hit, threes to wound, minus one rend, and two damage. So this gives them a nice little utility that they can do, and then they all have just one attack. They're not as good as, like, the, the um, what you call it, marauders. Right. Um, which I think is cool. I really wish they had updated the Marauder Sculpts. They're just old. I wish they had done that when they did the Chaos Warriors as well. Um, because they just look like old, like <laughs> um, WWE or WWF wrestler models, like wrestler toys that we used to have back in the day. You remember like yep. Randy Savage? Oh, yeah. Like, like real beefy, like completely abnormally sculpted. Um, <clears throat> that's what they remind me of. They've always reminded me of that, but yeah, but I think it's really cool that they've inc- incorporated <clears throat> them and they've actually, the price of them is surprising. Um, because the Warcry Warband is $50 and it right. comes with, it comes with the cards to play Warcry. Right. This is $65 for two times the models. Right. So you know, for fifteen dollars more, you get double the models. So, like, if you're yep. if you're really into Warcry, and you want to have a bunch of different like options, like if you want three rock test prowlers, buy your fifty dollar untamed beasts, and then buy your sixty five dollars untamed beasts, and have yep. three of each, um, which is really cool. Um, yes. So, anyway, um, what else kind of stuck out to you? Um, I mean, I think that was the biggest thing that kind of stuck out for me was just um just that how they're like really incorporating the war cry war bands into the age of darkness um so they're not going to be battle line but they kind of explained that on the stream that you know they've kind of justified that in the fluff that um you know these war cry war bands anybody that's familiar with the lore um they don't even really know that they're worshiping chaos right so you know they're not fully fledged chaos devotees i mean even in the in the same way that like a chaos marauder is you know Mm -hmm. chaos marauder knows like you know i am on the path to glory i Mm -hmm. am following these dark gods because i think that they provide you know a a better answer than sigmar or whatever the case is um so you know it would not make sense for a you know a chaos lord or um, like a dark oath chieftain or somebody, you know, somebody that is fully dedicated to the gods to, you know, include these aspirants, you know, in the core force of their army. And so I'm like, it would have been really cool to see the war crowd war bands be able to be battle line. Cause I think it would have even like created, you know, even more diversity in slaves to darkness mm-hmm. armies. But I like that they are at least putting something forth to explain why you can't do it. Yeah, I think for Jason's point of view, because I know that he's been interested and expressed interest in in collecting these, is he can still do exactly what he wants to do, even without those Warcry Warbands being battle line, though. Yes. Um, Because what he really wanted, what he's expressed that he wanted was... You know, a lot of the barbarian type of stuff, which is the untamed beasts, and then some cavalry to support that. So 
the new cavalry models, the new knights are great. But even like I the old the they're not even that old. The the Marauder Horseman models are really good. Um yeah. Like they're really sharp looking kits and they're you know, they're they're older, but they're not they came out in between the Chaos Knights and um some of the newer kits like the Juggernauts and stuff like that. They're right in that range. Um, so they're, they're not that old of a, of a kit, but at the same time, like they hold up really well and he could use those as a battle line because those are battle line or what I would suggest to him would be to buy some chariots. Cause I just think chariots in conjunction with those big blobs of barbarians would just look really cool. Yeah. Um, because the, the chaos chariot with horses is a battle line choice. So, um, that would, and they're oh, yeah, cheap. That's cool. Yep. They're really, really cheap too. I think they're like 80 points or something like that for each one. So you take three of those and you're done with your battle line. And then you can just throw as many barbarians on the field as yeah, you want. That's true. Yep. So, um, that's just some things to think about. And we'll talk to him about that. I'll, I'll whisper some sweet nothings in his ear about it. I like it. Um, but so to kind of touch on the the warband that you like that you thought was really cool, which is the Ravagers, they have a really cool mechanic, and 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 it ties into that summoning mechanic that you're talking about, where they the way that their warband works. So you have the Ravagers, you have the Kabbalist, the Kabbalists, the uh. There's another one that's like mostly monster based, and then you have the ever chosen um, warbands. So that the Ravagers warbands, <clears throat> they can um, they can change their general each turn, right? Yeah. So you can actually make it. So if all if everything goes well and things line up, you can actually summon fifty different models to the board. So you just rotate your general every turn, and you they summon the ten. Yep. So there's some really cool functionality there, just to like, I mean that's that's a, that's a lot of wounds to put back on the board. Yeah. If you if you can really like line it up right, um, which is really an interesting prospect for a for an army list. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then the the Kabbalists are all the wizards and stuff in the army. And I think you'll see some really cool themed armies come out for them. Um, where you'll use those cultist units as fodder for some of their abilities where they can sacrifice people to mm. get like bonuses to their spell casting and um, like, you can move an endless spell with them, um, which is a, just a really cool and unique mechanic that we haven't really seen. Yeah. Being able to move the move an endless spell outside of the very start of the hero phase. Yes, um, yeah, that's that's crucial. Yeah, <laughs> and it doesn't oh. have to be theirs. It can be any no. endless spell. Yeah, it's and a it's, nice purple son of Xerxes you have there. Well, and it's also really crucial against the bone reapers because only bone reapers can control their spells. That's true. So like being able to say, Nope, I'm going to move your spell. 
Um, I wonder if that. See, I don't know if the Bone Reapers are actually called endless spells, though. I don't know, but I will have to look it up. But that could be pretty baller. Yeah. Um. So being able to do that, I think, is if it works that way, which is which was my interpretation of it. Yeah. Um. Is really really cool. And then the other the other one is um. Is the monsters based warband, and it's like demon princes in there. They I think they all heal a wound at the beginning of a round, or d three wounds at the beginning of the round, and then they have an ability where they can like black out a piece of terrain. Yeah, where you can't see through it, which is which is really a cool mechanic. Yeah, um, being able to like manipulate the battlefield and stuff like that. Um, and then last but not least. My boy. Certainly not least. Certainly not the least. Um, he got expensive. <laughs> um, so our Kaon went up in points quite a bit. But he got a stat bump in a lot of different areas. Um, and <clears throat> he has all the marks of chaos. He actually gained some other keywords. He gained the Hedonite of Slanesh keyword. Oh, uh, that's nice. Yeah, um, he's got all the different. So he's he's got Maggotkin, um, Hedonite, Blade of Corn, and Disciple of Zeech on him. So he can be used in all the other books just like normal. He actually, but him in a Hedonites of Slanesh army is scary because the, because he has the Hedonite word keyword now. He can fight twice. Boo! Just like. <laughs> oh, and his sword. Yes, and the sword got better. Um, yeah. His sword improved to Ren 2, finally. Yeah. Um, but some of the cool things that come with that book are the auras. So his he can pick any, he can only pick one. He can't use all of them. Right. Um, but he can pick one of the auras at the beginning of the game to affect units within the army. His range on that increases to 18 inches instead of 12. Oof. So he's got like essentially what's what amounts to a ten inch base, right? Yeah. Plus eighteen inches out to yeah. either side, which yeah. is just a huge footprint. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at almost a f- like forty six inches total. Yeah, a four foot. Yeah, it's radius it's massive. So if he's in the circle. Yeah, if he's in the middle of the ta- of the table, just about touches everything. Yeah. In range. That's awesome. Um, and then Slayer of Kings like. For those who don't know, if you roll two sixes to wound with the Slayer of Kings, which is his sword, it automatically slays a model. Like, they don't make an armor save, you just pick the model up. Yep. Which is crazy good. Uh, yeah. Unless it's but, Go Trek. And then he unless takes it's a, Go Trek. And then yep. he takes a wound. Yeah. Um, but then, so his, so the, the ever-chosen, the ever-chosen, um, Warband, if you take it, you can take Varengard as battle line. Yep. Um, and each Varengard is what, seven wounds? They're five wounds each. Five wounds, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're uh, a hero. They're essentially like, they're yeah, they're a hero. But they, they can now take marks, which is awesome. So any aura that you pick for Archaeon, like you want to line that mark up with the Varengard. So, like, for Mark of Corn, for example, you get to re-roll your failed hit rolls of one, and then you add 
plus one to wound rolls for them if <laughs> if the character's your general, which yeah. if you're taking Archaon, he's going to be your general anyway. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so, at least he should be. Yeah, at least he should be. But um, they got some teeth, especially in that particular warband because they came up with the different circles of Varengard, which are a thing in the lore um, where you can select one of the circles from the Varengard and each circle does something different. So like eighth circle, for example, gives you the fly keyword. So like that piece of artwork that you see where it's got Archaon and all these flying Varengard, you're like, how is that happening? Well, that's how. Um, and then the one that I think will be most popular will be the sixth circle which gives you an additional damage on your weapons when you charge um Oof. so now you're if you're taking ensorcelled weapons you're hitting you have six attacks and with Archaon on the board you're hitting on twos rerolling ones and then you are getting plus one to your wound rolls so you're wounding on twos <laughs> yeah um, with you know, with a negative one rend, two damage deck. So, and that's just the rider. <laughs> yeah. And the seed attacks too, and he has a d3 damage weapon too. But yeah. um, it's they can, and they have an innate ability to fight twice. So, yeah. So like you, each one of them can they can only do it once a game, and has to be at the end of the combat phase. Right. But they can you can elect them to fight again. So. And that's a flat ability. So if, if they charge in and they decide to do it that turn, they're getting to do it all again at plus one damage. Yeah. Um, and then the Nurgle buff, actually, if you roll a six to wound, not like an unmodified six to wound, they do an additional damage. Ooh. So so you could potentially be doing three damage a swing. Yikes. Um, which yeah, that's is pretty good. Crazy good. Um, <clears throat> But then, you know, so that that's the that's where my head is because I have the Archaeon model and yeah, you do. I need to get it out and paint it and and play with it. So Jason's gonna go horde and I'm probably gonna go hyper elite, which will be fun because yep. we don't really have a hyper elite army in nope. the group. Um so I'm I'm looking forward to it. And I hope I hope Jason is too. because um, I, I think that he's talked about it for a while. Um, and I'm hoping that this is the little nudge that he needs to get him over the edge. Yep. That'd be sweet. But anyway, so Jared, did you have any other, what, what worries you most about the book? What do you you have any worries? Like what, what's your biggest concern with it? Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't think I have any concerns because I just want Jason to play Age of Sigmar. Fair enough. So if it's the most OP book that's out there and it gets him to play Age of Sigmar, then so be it. Well, if he touches it, we know it'll turn OP. That's just kind of how things work with him. <laughs> no, it took a long time for Dark Angels to be OP, and then they weren't OP anymore. So This is true. This is true. They were I OP just want... for like half an edition. I would just really want him to play it. I, yeah. My... My concern with it is um, is just like there's one particular ability that Archaon has in the Everchosen 
uh, warband that is really, really game defining. Um, and that is the ability oh, the to, dice, the dice to choose to choose who goes first or second um, based on what you roll. I mean, correct, but it's it, but it's but it's informed information, right? Yeah. And you can still roll. Like you don't have to reveal it. You can yep. still roll. Um, so for those who don't know, there's a there's a ability that that you gain in that particular warband that um, at the beginning of the turn. Archaon gains a, a command ability, you use it, <clears throat> and you roll a dice. On a one, two, or three, your opponent takes the next turn. On the, it goes first on the next turn. On a four, five, or six, you go first the next turn. Um, which, in a game like Age of Sigmar, where you have the potential to have a double turn, is just massive information to have. Um, so that's yeah. my biggest concern about the book and you know we'll play it i think you and i playing through it will will help like yeah. determine oh, yeah. like, how how we feel about it i think it's gonna i think it will be something that <clears throat> if played correctly can be extremely powerful yeah and will be something that high level players will use in tournaments and stuff um but you know you can kind of tip your hand a little bit or you can bluff, which right. is something that I think is is a is an element in this game that is there, but it's less of a, it's not a gamble, right? So like, right. part of the fun of Age of Sigmar is being like, man, if I can get up here and get pressure and get a double turn, this is game, right? right. And it's the if, right? But right. if but if I'm playing and I'm pushing myself forward and I'm like, I'm going to curb stomp you. I'm going to get the double turn. Like that is happening. Nothing you can do. There to is stop not me. a thing you can do about it. Yeah. Like I just don't want that to create negative play experiences for people. Yeah. Um. So that's that's my concern, and that was what I was hoping that you would say. But oh, I had completely forgotten that that and, was a thing. And that's okay. That's okay. Yep. Um. But that's, that's gonna. For. Yeah. I'm. I'm the resident heretic. Terrible chaos person yep. um but i'm really excited about the book i hope that we get to get some games in with it um we will get some games in with it i'm just no hope for me like it will happen right um <laughs> but until until we do that um i think we're gonna wrap this segment up and close the show out And we're back, and that'll wrap us up for the evening. So, uh, as always, we'd like to say thanks for taking the time to listen. Um, you know, uh, we're having a lot of fun doing this, and uh, you know, as we're coming to the close of the of the year, uh, you know, we're looking maybe to get one more episode out before 2020. Um, fingers crossed, and if not, we'll see everyone in the new year. Um, We've been a little slow on the socials lately, but I think with uh, the the Feast of Bones challenge that Trace and I have going on, hopefully you'll start to see some pictures uh, pop up. Uh, you know, maybe getting some Warcry Warbands painted up. I know Jason's posted his uh, his newly painted Warbands, so hopefully we'll get some in action shots uh, of them up there. But if you're looking to follow us on social media, if you're not already, we are 
Battle Mallet Podcast on Facebook, Battle Mallet One on Twitter, and Battle Mallet Pcast on Instagram. Uh, we have a Discord that is, uh, you know, a place to come and you can show off your pictures and you know chat with us and ask questions. Um, you know, if you like what you're hearing and uh, you want others to have the chance to find our podcast. One of the best ways to do that is to give us reviews on Facebook and on, I guess it's Apple Podcasts now, not iTunes. Um, it's the best way to kind of oh, really? hit, hit the that. algorithm. Yeah, I think they like discontinued iTunes or whatever. Um, huh. So they call it Apple Podcasts. Yeah, who knew? Uh, Windows user here. <laughs> um, I didn't know. Yeah, I have an when, iPhone. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, but you know, giving us reviews and 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 stars on on those platforms hits those algorithms and kind of surfaces our content. Um, so uh, we'd appreciate anything that you can do there. Uh, just one more shout out for the uh, event coming up Thursday, December twelfth at Atomic Empire. Uh, I'll be there probably around five thirty. I know Trace and Jason should be there around six, and we'll be there from six until either the party closes or the store closes, whichever happens first. Um, so come play some. Warhammer Underworlds with us. Bring your beat stick deck. Bring your fun deck. If you've never played, come show up. We'll give you a deck. We'll give you models. Um, and we'll play. Eat some snacks. Drink some beer. Have a good time. Um, For sure. And, yeah. So uh, this has been episode 18. Uh, so for the Battle Mallet podcast, uh, tonight we are two dads. And that's it. Uh, two dads and a Jamaican bobsled team i guess and no, i guess there's there's a two-man bobsled jason and danny can be a two-man bobsled team yes the end did jay make a bobsled team so uh this is jared signing out this is trace signing out thanks guys peace podcast is protected under the Creative Commons license. If you have further questions as to its use, you can find more information via links on podcast.battle-mallet.com. Music by Anno Domini Beats. Oh, you're drinking. I can hear it. Mm-hmm. Okay, get get your drink on. I got my drink on. Okay, it's rum and coke. <laughs> mm, rum and coke. Hashtag rooftop bar. Yes, if only. If only.